There's a truth that often goes unsaid in our lives, and it is this truth, that we seem to absolutely love drama. For some people, and I want you to think about the different people in your life, for some people, if there is no drama in their lives for an extended period of time, they will intentionally do something to create drama. Do you have people like that in your life? Oh, yeah. I heard an oh, yeah over here. So, uh, so okay. <laughs> Amen to that, you know. It's me. So, um, but we, we are into drama in so many different ways, and it's something that, that, uh, that catches us off guard sometimes when we're not ready for it, and for others, it is just simply the way they live their lives. We love it so much, we love it so very much, that for decades now, for decades, there have been shows that are completely all about drama known as soap operas. And if you don't think I'm telling you the truth, we're going to go through a few things right now. So the first is this. I want to talk to you a little bit about General Hospital. General Hospital is listed, this, this blew my mind when I found this out, General Hospital is listed in the Guinness, in the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest-running soap opera in production. Let that sink in. It started in 1963. And it has, it has over 14,000 episodes to its credit. We love drama. Second one is this, The Young and the Restless. Okay? This particular soap opera began running in 1973, and over the course of its run, it was the leading daytime drama. Get this. It was the leading daytime drama for a total of 1,300 weeks, which is 25 years. We love drama. And then there was this one, and I put this on there just because of my mom. My mom, when she was not out, uh, outside the home working, this was her favorite drama of all time. It was All My Children. Okay, okay, so we got a name, okay, so that, that's good. This one, this one ran for 41 years. It started in 1970. It went all the way to 2011. It has more than 10,500 episodes to its credit, and it was probably best known for one actress named Susan Lucci, portraying who? Erica Wow, I should just have you guys do the intro this morning. You guys know this stuff really well. Two more to prove my point. As the world turns, this held the record for the longest-running soap opera until it stopped production. It ran from, get this, 1956 to 2010. Over 13,000 episodes to its credit. We love drama. But we also were thrown a curveball in the late 70s. We were thrown a curveball in the late 70s when daytime drama, they then attempted to put a soap opera on Friday night by the name of Dallas. Boy, you guys are really good. Really good. Like I said, we love drama. Okay? So, so every Friday night, and it caught people by surprise. How all of a sudden you could take a, a, what, what is a soap opera and move it to Friday night, and people tuned in all the time. Now, now Dallas only ran for about 13 years, but it, it only had 357 episodes. But 
it goes down as one of the most popular cliffhangers in television history with this question. There we go. Okay, so I'm going to call the worship band back up here. We're going to sing, and we're going to be out of here. But it was all about that. It was all about who shot J.R. Ewing. We love drama. We just do. We love drama. Right now, our, uh, our staff is going through team norms, and, and we're working through what are the five essentials that we, that we need to have as a team. And, and one of the things that I came up with the other day was, and I used this back in, student, in my student ministry days, and it was this, leave the drama with your mama, is what I said. Because we don't need more drama. We need to just stay focused in on what we need to do. But we live in a world that loves drama. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, as we continue walking through this great book, Galatians, we come to this place now in Galatians chapter 4, and I invite you to turn there now to Galatians chapter 4, or scroll there on your phone, or if you want to use the Pew Bible, it's on page 974 in your Pew Bible. But we come to this place now where Paul, and they weren't called soap operas back then, but he refers to what I believe, what I believe, to the world's first soap opera. And we'll get to that later on in the message. But listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken taken figuratively. The The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears all children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband." Now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's, inher- the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman but of the free woman. And then the first verse of chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Father, we pray now as we come into this time of looking at your word, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see the truth of your freedom. That you would open our ears so that we can hear the truth of your freedom, that you would open our minds so that we can understand more fully what it means to be free people because of your grace, and that you would open our hearts that we would be transformed by that grace to be and live out free lives for you and your glory. 
Father, I pray that no one would hear anything that I say, but that they would only hear what it is that you want them to hear. And Lord Jesus Christ, may you receive all glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so we come to this place now where Paul is, he continues dealing with this issue of these false teachers who continually say that it needs to be Jesus plus something else. You, you can't just simply ex- ex- accept his grace and that's all there is to it. You need to do more. And so Paul asks them this question in verse 21. He says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? He deals with this issue, and, I, and with all the points I'm using, different soap operas. And so he's going to address this issue that the Judaizers don't want him to address, and it's this. Paul is going to talk about all my children. That God has a lot of children, not just a specific group of folks that, he, that the Judaizers were wanting them to become like. And notice what he says here. He says, you who want to be under the law. Under the law. Under is never the place to be when it comes to living life. It comes across, and it is true, when we're under something, we are burdened. We, are, we, we cannot function fully. We are being oppressed. We are being kept down. Whatever, you, whatever word you want to choose. And Paul is very, very intentional here, saying, under the law. And he's going to address this in just a few verses. But, but when, so often we sit there, and we, we want to think that following after Christ is this burdensome experience. And what Paul is saying is, don't go that route. Don't go back to thinking that you need to be under the law. Jesus Christ came to free us from the law. Came to bring us above the law because he fulfilled the law. And then Paul does something, and I already alluded to it. He does something in verse 22. He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. We need to take a look at this story, right? So let's do that now. I invite you to turn all the way back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16, because Paul now goes to the first soap opera. The other night we had an elder meeting and I said, guys, what is the, what is the, uh, what's the first soap opera? And, and, the, and I love our elders. I love them to death. I really do. But they completely botched this one. They just, they said, well, it had to be this. It had to be this. It had to be this. And I said, guys, don't think so hard. It's right there. And then I brought up Genesis 16, and they said, oh. And that's all they said. They didn't say, you're right. They just said, oh. I could have used a little bit more of encouragement at that time, but that's okay. But in Genesis chapter 16, we have what is arguably, arguably, the first soap opera. Listen to what happens here. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, we've referred to this multiple times in this series on Galatians. In Genesis chapter 15, God says to Abraham, you are going to have a lot of people. You're going to have a a huge offspring. More than you can count the stars, more than sand on the seashore, they are going to be, it's going to be innumerable. So he's made that promise to Abraham. Well, there's a problem. And we pick it up in, verse, in chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. 
but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, Yahweh has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Real quickly, we need to just address this issue. So Sarah is unable to have children. Abram's been told, I promise you, Abram, that you will have plenty of ancestors. You will have plenty of descendants. And it's going to happen through Sarah. He's told that. He's promised that. And remember, we talked about God walking through those carcasses, and he walked through them by themselves, walked through them by himself, because he knew that humanity is fallen. Humanity usually cannot, not usually, it just doesn't hold up its end of the deal. And so God walks through. He's made this promise. He's going to hold on to this promise because he knows he can do this. He's told Abram, you're going to have plenty of descendants. Abram and Sarah continue to not be able to have children. And so Sarah says, fine, have my maidservant, and we can go that route. Any children that were born, that would be born to Hagar, would be Abram's children as well as Sarah's children. But what did God say? He said, Abram, it's going to happen through you and Sarah, not through Hagar. And so Sarah comes up with this idea. She presents it to him, says, go and and, uh, have relations with, with, with Hagar and listen to what happens next. So Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Abram this great father of the faith has now said, I'm simply going to go without faith here. I'm simply going to go without faith. And one of the things that is so, so, so true is when humanity takes matters into its own hands, it tends to get messy. Paul is telling the people back in, in the, back, he's, he's addressing the false teachers by saying, you want to focus on one son, but I'm here to tell you, there are two sons, not one son in this story. And you guys are telling them to go down the way of slavery here, of oppression, and I'm telling you, you need to be focused in on the one who was free. And so anytime humanity, and this, this applies all throughout history and into this present day, Anytime humanity decides to think that they can make God's ways better, it gets really messy. How many times has God called us to do this and we decide, okay, we might do that, but we need to add something to it because it's not good enough. And then what ends up happening We have a mess on our hands. That's what's going on here back in Genesis chapter 16. So we pick it up again, verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Remember what I said. When humanity gets involved with God's with, with God's ways and thinks that they can make it better, it gets messy. So she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you, 
you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Didn't we just read just a few verses prior? Wasn't this her idea? When we venture outside of what God wants to do, we think we can handle it. But what ends up happening, when we venture outside, the consequences are far bigger than what we thought we could deal with. And what do we end up doing? We end up pointing the finger of blame, blaming this person or that person on why we're now struggling. That's what's going on here. This is why this is a soap opera. And then we continue on. You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May Yahweh judge between you and me. This gets really messy very quickly. And so Paul is dealing with this. Paul is dealing with this, and he's taking them back to say there are two sons here, one from Hagar and one from, one from Sarah. And this whole, it got really messy, and you Judaizers, you false teachers, are wanting people to be enslaved again when Christ has come along and said, I've set you free, because Christ is the fulfillment of the divine promise. Folks, so often in our lives... So often in our lives, we want to believe that God needs our help to improve his plans. But hear me on this. God does not need our help to improve his plans. He needs us to get in line with his plans and walk with faith and that confidence. And as we walk with faith and confidence, what ends up happening, we continue to see God take care of us again and again and again. And so Paul's not done. So we're, we're done with that part of the soap opera. So then Paul comes to this place back in Galatians chapter 4, and he expounds on it. We pick it up in verse 24. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. So Paul sees the situation. He sees the drama from Genesis chapter 16. He's addressing the false teachers. And in essence, he's asking them this question. Who is your guiding light? Who is your guiding light? Where are you getting your truth? Who's providing the direction? All right? So who is your guiding light? And Paul uses this soap opera to paint a picture. And he says, these things are being taken. Look at what he says here. He says, these things are being taken figuratively. Paul is now giving his interpretation of what happened in Genesis chapter 16. There is a temptation for all of us. And I'm going to take a quick tangent and I'll come back. There's a temptation for all of us to interpret God's word the way we want to interpret God's word. We take these passages and we make them say something that they were never intended to say. We see it all the time. And so Paul here seems to be doing that thing. And he's not, by the, by the way, I'm, I'm, hear me on this. Paul is different in this, is that his 
interpretation is consistent with what the Bible says from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 22. When we interpret God's word, we have a responsibility to be consistent with what God's word says. So often, so often, we are tempted to take passages out of context, twist them so that we can get what we want out of it. That's irresponsible. And that leads us to big-time problems. It leads to more drama. And that's what's happening here in, in, with the Galatians, is that these Judaizers, these false teachers, have lifted something, taken it out of context, twisted it in such a way so that they can then get the focus on themselves. God is not about creating more drama. God is about walking us through the drama with his grace. So word of caution is this. We don't tell the Bible what it says. The Bible tells us what it says. We need to be students of Scripture. We need to be students. We need to have a submissive attitude when we come into God's Word. Every week when I'm preparing the message or whoever's going to be preaching that week, I guarantee you this, there is prayer, there is serious prayer going on. God, help me hear from you what it is that you want me to proclaim to the people of FBC Salinas. There's hours of preparation that goes into this. Some people think, and and they joke around with me, they just say, well, John, you only work for one hour a week on Sunday mornings. Well, as long as I get to play golf, the other 167 were okay. No, I do not do that. But my point is, that didn't go over very well. (laughs) But my point is, I take what I do here seriously. Because it's a responsibility that is important. And I want you to understand what God's Word says. And, and so I don't come into God's Word saying, please, please, Lord, have this Word say this today. It is, Lord, what is it that you're saying through your Word to me and to these people here? Okay? That's far more important. And that's what's most important. So we don't tell the Bible what it says. We allow the Bible to tell us what it says. And then he addresses these two covenants. And he says this, the one covenant is from Mount Sinai. Well, Mount Sinai is the place where Moses received the law. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. So it's where God has rescued the people and he gives gives, uh, Moses on Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments. And so he says that's what was going on here. But here's something that has happened since that covenant was put into place. Jesus Christ has come along and fulfilled that covenant so that we are free. We are free. And notice what he says, and and I think this is very clever on his part. Verse 25, now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. Paul is emphasizing slavery again and again and again, saying, if you want to go this route, you are going to be in bondage. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ has fulfilled the covenant and we can be set free. And notice what he does in verse 26. But the Jerusalem that is above... His opening statement to them in verse 21 was, for those of you that are thinking about living 
under the law. Paul, Paul now says, I want you to be above. When you're above, this Jerusalem above that he's talking about, is the, it represents the freedom of the work that Jesus Christ accomplished. Moves it to above. We're above this now because of Jesus Christ. And then he goes to this, he goes to this prophecy that is found in Isaiah. And he says this, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. It's written, and so he's, he's taking them all the way back. And this is what's so great about Paul. He says, you, you false teachers think you have this all figured out, but I know what I'm talking about. I'm taking you all the way back to Isaiah. And so I invite us to go back to Isaiah chapter 4, and let's look at all that this says very quickly. In Isaiah chapter 54, looking at the first 10 verses, listen to this. It says this, so we'll pick it up in verse 2. He says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Listen to verse 4, do not be afraid, you'll not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood for your maker is your husband. Yahweh Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Yahweh will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, and listen to this, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says Yahweh, your Redeemer. Saying, I'm going to bring you back. And I'm going to bring you back through Jesus Christ. All that shame, all that embarrassment, all that guilt that you had is now going to be taken care of because of Jesus Christ. Yes, you don't have any children now, Sarah, but you will have children. So often in life, we feel as if we don't have hope, but based on Jesus Christ, we always have hope because he's never done. He's never done. And then... Paul continues on, and we pick it up in verse 28. He says this, Now you brothers and sisters like Isaac, and notice what he says here, are our children of promise. Not you will be, not you were, but you are. Present day reality. It's a now experience. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. I want to stop there. So he's saying what happened back then was Ishmael persecuted and, and bothered Isaac. They had issues. They had tension. Ishmael was representing the people that were, gonna be, that, were, that were enslaved, and he did not like the freedom that Isaac was experiencing. There's going to be tension. And in essence, Paul is saying these are the days of our lives. There's tension there. That's the way the days of our lives are. It's impossible for us to not experience tension. And that's what Paul's addressing. This conflict and, it, and the tension happen all the time. 
Christ-following folks want to think that everything's going to be fine in this world and everything's going to be peaceful. Folks, brace yourselves. We have to expect and anticipate that things are not always going to be smooth. There's going to be tension. There are going to be times when following after Christ means that we butt right up against those who are not Christ followers. And there are also going to be times when we're experiencing the freedom of God's grace where we butt up against Christ following folks who are not living by God's grace. Tension happens. In your Bibles, flip back to Matthew chapter 12 and look what happens here. This tension is real and it's been around for a long time. Verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields of the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So Jesus and his disciples are on a little bit of a road trip. They do what any of us do on road trips, and that's this. They stop at a convenience store. Now, granted, their convenience store was a field of grain. They were hungry. They needed a snack. Many of you know this. I love moon pies on road trips. So they needed a moon pie. But their moon pie happened to be, I'll take a moon pie over a grain of, over a kernel of grain any day of the week. Sorry, I just will. Um, but this is natural. Mine is artificial. So anyway, let's move on. So they're hungry. They stop. They pick some, some grain. They begin to eat it. The Pharisees, and notice this, the Pharisees were waiting for them. We hope you make a mistake because we're here to bust you. The thing about people that love to follow rules is this, is that they're always watching other people to see if they're going to break the rules. And when they break the rules, they're there to drill them. So Jesus responds. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." I love what Jesus does here. He says to the Pharisees, your view on what's going on here is so limited. And I'm going to again take you all the way back in history to your number one king, David. And he did something far bigger than me and the guys here eating a few kernels of grain. And you applaud him. Yet there is someone greater now here and you are busting me. Jesus Christ sets us free. He sets us free. And that's what's going on here in verse 30. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her, sla- and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. You read that and you think, man, that's really harsh. But what Paul's saying is get rid, get rid of thinking that you have to prove your worth to God. Get rid of thinking that it's Jesus plus something else. Get rid of being burdened by all this. Get rid of it. Move on and, and, and enjoy the inheritance of being God's free child. 
We are free. That's what Paul's saying here. We are free. We are free. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And then he says this, just to keep emphasizing this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. We are free to love the unloved. The other day I had an experience with a meth addict. Talked with him. Offered to help him. Offered to do what I could to help him find the help that he needed. And he ran. And me, being a foolish individual, ran after him. He had me by 30 years. By the time, he, by the time we had run 50 yards, he was 100 yards in front of me. I couldn't keep up but I wanted this guy to experience freedom. But he ran away. We're free to love the unloved. We're free to offer forgiveness. We're free to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Every one of us has been hurt by somebody. And for many of us in this room, we continue to hold on to that pain and we continue to feed off of that pain. And Christ has, says, I, Christ has said, I've set you free to forgive. We're free to give generously of our time, of our talents, of our monies. We're free to give generously because, because we know that God's going to take care of us. And I'm not saying be foolish. If you're being foolish, you need to go to Financial Peace University. We start that on September 8th but I'm talking about giving generously. We're free to be distinctly different. We're free to be distinctly different so people can see the difference that Jesus Christ has made in our lives. We're free to have joy in the midst of pain. A good friend of mine, Mark Simmons, he's the pastor at SVCC. He texted me this morning, he says, I could use your prayers. Found out my best friend of 30 years passed away. But Mark asked for prayer that God would give him joy in the midst of that pain. We can have that joy. And we are free to follow Jesus. We're free to follow Jesus. Whether it be at school, whether it be at our job, whether it be with our family, whether it be in our neighborhood, we're free to follow Jesus. And that's what Paul's been addressing over and over again in Galatians. We are free. So I ask you this question, what is holding you back? Or who is holding you back? Is it a who that is holding you back? Is it somebody that just says, I don't want you to continue down this path of following after Jesus, therefore they're holding you back? Or is it what? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it embarrassment? Is it, is it failure? Is it anxiety? All these different things that are holding you back. What is it? Because Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The purpose of Jesus Christ's coming was freedom, was to set us free. 
free to love, free to care, free to be the people that he's called us to be. I want to invite the band to come up and, and get ready as we get ready to sing a couple more songs here in just a few moments. And as they come up, I want you to think about the drama in your life right now. The drama that's going on in your life. Perhaps right now it's at a low level, and that's great. Perhaps right now it's at a very high level, and you haven't been able to focus in on much of anything this morning because you're so consumed with it. Wherever you are in the drama scale, I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ has come to set you free and walk you through that drama to set you free so that you can experience forgiveness and extend forgiveness to others. He didn't, come to this, he didn't come to this earth to make life more burdensome. He came to this earth to free us from the burdens that bombard us each and every day. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Father, we pray now as we get ready to respond to, this, to these words, as we continue worshiping You, it is our prayer that You would set us free. It's our prayer that You would reach into those places in our lives that are filled with drama that's not of You. And we would ask that You would give us the grace to navigate those times. We would ask that Your grace would free us from the guilt and the shame and the anxiety that we so often carry, and that we would know that because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live under the law any longer. But we can be free. We can be forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did.